everyone, my name is Alicia Webb. I am a self-proclaimed news junkie. I love telling stories and I love helping other people tell their unique story. This podcast is a chance to hear from people who have pivoted in their lives and careers, taken that leap, struck out in a bold new direction, and never looked back. This is The Power of the Pivot. Angela Harris is a collaborative leadership coach, technology leader, and philanthropist with over 20 years of business experience in Fortune 500 companies. She is focused on female leadership and the advancement of Black women in the tech industry. In her coaching practice, Angela helps clients strategically navigate the corporate landscape so they can be seen, feel valued, and get promoted. Her intuitive approach brings clarity, direction, and positive support to her clients. Well, Angela, I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. So you've had quite the career in the tech industry. You've worked for some really big name, well-known brands. Talk a little bit about what your experience has been like in the tech world. Well, first, let me start off by saying I'm a first-generation college graduate, and I'll just say you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and as a child, you, you have this vision, you know, go to go to school, get your degree, and you just think things will automatically start happening for you. And so I thought I did all the things, you know, I went to Drexel University, I graduated with a degree in information systems. And the unique thing about Drexel is that we have a co-op program. So you actually graduate with 18 months of work experience. And I thought I was getting, I guess, a leg up by attending a school that allowed me to graduate with real world work experience. Unfortunately, the year that I graduated, the the economy and the job market was bad. And I didn't end up landing the dream job that I thought I would have as a college graduate with my degree. I was able to find employment after I graduated, but it wasn't the role that I envisioned for myself. Initially, when I started college, I was focused on network engineering. So I thought I would, you know, land a network engineering job with a a large company, perhaps in one of their rotational programs. All that was out of the window due to the economy. So I didn't really start out in the position or role that I envisioned for myself. And I feel like that, you know, came with challenges in itself because I always felt like I was trying to catch up as I move from job to job. Interesting. So you you since have kind of left the tech industry and you're now a leadership coach. And that's a really dramatic shift. What led you down that pathway of, of wanting to, to coach people? Doing personal development on myself. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. I'm always taking advantage of new learning opportunities. Back in, I think it was 2018 and 2019, I had an opportunity to participate in a leadership development program specifically for women of color in the tech industry. And the program is called the Emerge Academy. And it's offered by a nonprofit organization called the Information Technology Senior Management Forum. And for me, that was the first time I actually felt like someone saw me, the fact that I was accepted into this program. And again, at at that time, I've been working for well over 10 plus years in my career. And it felt like I hit a wall. And when I saw that program advertised on LinkedIn, it sounded like exactly what I needed to hopefully propel me to the next level in my career. I've I've seen tons of leadership development programs for women, but nothing specifically for women and women of color in the tech industry. And one of the benefits of being in that program was that I was actually paired with an executive coach. And that was my first experience working with a coach myself. And I also had an opportunity to do an assessment called the Energy Leadership Index Assessment, which shows 
how you resonate with different levels of energy. So when we talk about energy, there's two types of energy, anabolic energy, which is the good energy and catabolic energy, which is negative energy. And one of the things that I learned about myself was that I have a lot of anabolic energy and that some of my core energy is around service and care and compassion for others. So I've also had a affinity towards mentoring because for me as a black woman in tech, in the tech industry, I did not have mentors very early in my career. It wasn't until like mid and later in my career that I actually had mentors, not for lack of trying. So I've always had an affinity for mentorship just because I've been the only and sometimes the first in a lot of my job opportunities. So this combining my passion for mentorship, wanted to elevate other Black women in the tech industry, just create opportunities and just share the things that I've learned along the way was what led me down the path towards coaching because it kind of combines all my passion and my gifts. That, that's really fascinating. And you've, you've spoken about working with Black women a few times. Why did you decide to go in this direction? What were some of the challenges you faced or what were some of the challenges you saw other Black women facing in the tech industry that that made you say, I want to make a change. I want to do something different. One of my favorite quotes, I have many quotes that I like, but one of my favorite quotes is by Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. Again, I didn't have mentorship very early in my career and I've navigated some very you know, toxic and challenging work experiences on my own. And looking back, I just wonder how different my career trajectory would have been if I had the support of a mentor to help guide me during those situations. Again, I've been the first and the only. I haven't had supportive managers. I've worked in toxic environments. So, you know, challenge can have like such a negative connotation, but I guess I'll say the unique experiences that I've had as a Black woman in tech, in the tech industry is what propelled me to want to support and elevate other Black women in tech. What led you down the path of tech in the first place? Did you see other Black men working in it or what What made you want to pursue the, that career to begin with? That's a great question. Honestly, I did not. And I can tell you, I, rem- I remember I was like six years old. I was out with one of my aunts on it was like a Saturday. We're walking through a store and I saw a computer. I don't know if I knew it was a computer, but you know, I saw this machine and I was just simply fascinated by it. So I'm like, you know, the kid that's like pressing the buttons and I was just completely fascinated by it. Fast forward to age nine, I guess I must have been in my father's ear and I guess he saw something in me. So he purchased my first computer for me at age nine. And my fascination was this with the technology itself. And this was back in the 80s. So STEM was not a thing. STEM wasn't even an acronym until like 1999. So it just came from my curiosity and my fascination with technology. And, you know, back in those days, again, we didn't have girls in tech initiatives or anything tech related. So my fascination just came from me teaching myself how to do things on my personal computer. And I didn't know that I was going to be entering a white male dominated field when I, you know, entered college and entered the workforce. I didn't know that. I'd like you to talk a little bit about what you said. You said the word toxic and you don't have to give names or examples, but what was kind of your experience with that toxicity in the workforce? Like we hear so much about in the news now about the tech industry. And I think it's becoming more and more prevalent, some of the issues that the industry has. But what did you face and what did you see some of your colleagues face? So many things. Lack of support from managers. And I guess, you know, looking back, it probably comes from them being intimidated by what I was bringing to the table I'll just give you an example. I have a master's degree in information technology leadership, yet I've had a 24-year career in corporate America and tech, and I've never held a leadership role in technology. 
Wow. And it's not for lack of trying. I've, I've done all the things. Just people say women only apply for roles when they meet all the qualifications. I applied for the roles where I did not meet all the qualifications. I put myself out there. And the answer has always been, well, you need more experience. Or we went with someone that's already done the job. So there's the concept of the broken rung, which means that women often don't get that first opportunity to have that management role. So I've been the victim of the broken rung. Meanwhile, I work for managers, vice presidents, directors that have either had no degree or have had completely unrelated degrees. Yet they're the ones telling me that I don't meet the qualifications for the roles that I'm applying for. This is really, really interesting. And I think a lot of women experience this. So when you decided that you were going to go into coaching, how did you ultimately make that shift? And I think a lot of women now experience that they can't get promoted. They try and leave a company. They start fresh. But for you, you said no more and you were going to go out on your own. Mm-hmm. How did you prepare yourself to, to ultimately make that pivot? Because it's it's not so simple. Right. And honestly, that's the whisper I've had for quite some time. You know, sometimes you, you have those whispers and those feelings, you know, your intuition talking to you, but you kind of ignore it like, no, no, no. So I've had that whisper for quite some time and honestly didn't know what leaving corporate America would look like. But again, like through the course of doing this, you know, development work on myself, it became clear that where my passions and my strengths were and honestly where people saw value, people valued me. And I what my skills were not questioned. Like and from a corporate perspective, you know, I, I was always having to prove myself over and over again. But externally, I was, people were tapping me on the shoulders to, you know, lead different. And I was a president of a nonprofit organization. I was being tapped for different leadership opportunities externally. Whereas from a corporate perspective, I was told that I wasn't qualified. So just having that awareness of where I got my energy from and what made me excited. And also just being in a different place in my life where it's more about the impact for me. Like I'm over chasing the title because clearly it's not going to come from, from within a corporate setting. And I think about the Shirley Chisholm quote, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring your own folding chair. So essentially I brought my own folding chair. I'm the CEO of my own company. I've never had the leadership title in corporate, but now I'm the CEO of my own company. That's that's really, really inspiring. So what were some of the steps you took to prepare yourself for that? Was it about saving money so you knew you could do this? I know you moved across the country uh, from where you were living. Mm-hmm. What were some of the steps you had to take in order to make this this happen? Well, I also shared, I guess, another tidbit, which was the motivating factor for this pivot happening. Um, I also had some health challenges within my life last year. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And looking back, I know that stress contributes to so many ailments within our bodies. And I feel like I was internalizing stress from a toxic work environment that that I was in. And I feel like that contributed to the breast cancer diagnosis that I had. And then fast forward a few months later, my therapist told me that I had work-related depression, anxiety, and PTSD as a result of the toxic environment that I was in. And I just, I I took a stance. I said, enough is enough. I'm not going to continue to torture myself. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to leave corporate America and focus on my coaching business. Just to prioritize my mental health and well-being and eliminate any unnecessary stress and toxicity from my life. That's such a bold thing to do to say enough. What has been the reaction of those around you when you said, because you, I won't say the name of the company, but you worked for a very well-known organization that people really, you know, wait their whole lives, their whole careers to try to get into. Mm-hmm. When you told people around you that you were going to leave this organization and do this, where they were like, you're crazy? Because this is a company that people just, they tried 10, 15 years just to work for. 
given the name, given the benefits, what did people say when you said you were, you were not going to do it anymore? You know, it's been a mixed bag. You know, some of them were, I did get some of the, are you crazy? Like, you know, I can't, I can't believe you're doing this, especially at this time, you know, with the, with the economy. However, I had to do what was best for myself. And again, like, my health, my mental and physical health and well-being is my top priority right now. And I don't ever want to experience what I experienced again last year. Good for you. So I had to I had to recognize that they were operating from a place of concern. Like they obviously, you know, they they care and they're concerned. They want to see me do well, but they're also operating from their perspective. That 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 may be something that they would never be comfortable doing. So they're projecting that onto me. And I think that happens to a lot of people, which is why people don't make some of these changes because they fear that little bit of judgment. Right, right, right. And honestly, I'm also just at a point in my life where I just want to live my life with no regrets. Now, what's been the most rewarding part of this? What What have you found to be the most rewarding and the most freeing part of saying that enough is enough? The reduction in my stress. <laughs> I feel so much lighter. <laughs> Now that I'm not in that environment, just feeling so much lighter, just knowing that I have the opportunity to write my own story, my own narrative. And honestly, just having the opportunity to work with my clients, like one of my clients that I'm working with during our first coaching session, she's a Black woman in the tech industry. And at the end of our session, she said, I want to read you a poem. And she read me the poem, Our, Our Deepest Fear. And I've heard that poem a few years ago, but the fact that she was so moved and motivated to you know, share that when we just touched me in a way I've never been touched within my corporate life before. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you mentioned your client. What are some of the advice you're, you're giving people about managing their careers, whether it's in tech or in something else? What are some of the things that you now looking back, wish you knew then that you that you know now? What How are you kind of coaching some of your the, the individuals that come to you? Yeah, I just want to clarify one thing about coaches. Coaches don't give advice. So the client is actually the expert in their life. Good point. Help them, we, you know, work with them to guide them to their own decisions. Good point. We can all, we can ask permission to share, you know, certain things with them. But ultimately, we are helping the client come to their own decision. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now talk about the biggest challenge that you faced in going down this road. The fear, honestly, again, it's like to, to your earlier question, why would someone leave a good job to go into uncertainty? So the fear, but I would say one of the ways that I you asked about how I prepared for this is working with my own coach, working with my mm-hmm. own, working on my own mindset. Also, obviously, you know, checking in with my financial planner. So I have a business coach. I work with a regular coach as well to, you know, work on my mindset and the mindset shift that needs to occur for me to make this transition. And I'm continuing to coach myself and remind myself throughout the process. Good for you. And how long have you been coaching full-time now? When did you completely leave corporate? Full-time, just a couple of months, honestly. I left in, I left corporate in October of 2022. Oh, this this is still very new. It's still very new, but I was coaching part-time while I was while I was in working in corporate. Good for you. So it's very new. So you're still in that yeah. very much like that, that that exciting moment. Right, right. And it's like, again, having to pause and remind myself daily, I, I'm a huge fan of affirmations. So, you know, I have my <laughs> affirmations that I refer back to. I I journal. I do all the things that I would suggest to my clients as activities that they could do to work on their mindset. I'm also doing that for myself. Good for you. No, you're, you're, you're definitely walking the walk. You're not just saying these things. You're definitely doing it yourself, too, which I think is admirable. And I'm sure you're, when your clients see that, they must be proud to have you as their partner in what they're trying to work on. I know that you 
are also working on publishing a book. Talk a little bit about the book you're in the process of writing or that you're thinking about writing and what led you down that path. Yeah, I am actually in the process of writing my first book. Actually, last year was my first. I was a contributing author in an anthology that the Drexel University Black Alumni Council published called A Legacy to Share, Navigating Life's Challenges and Celebrating Our Greatest Achievements. And in that book, I shared my journey as a first-generation college graduate Black woman in technology. So that was my first, I guess, like dip into the author arena. And people that really know me, every time they hear my story, they're like, when are you writing your own book? When are you writing your own book? And again, I've had that whisper for quite some time. And a friend of mine reached out to me over the summer and you know asked the same question. And she told me about a program called Book Creators, which helps people write and publish their first book. So I enrolled in that program and wasn't really clear on what the book was going to be about at that time. But given what was going on with my work situation and my pivot, it became very clear that I wanted to write the book about Black women and workplace trauma, because honestly, I was shocked when my therapist told me that I had work-related PTSD because I had been working with the therapist the entire time. So again, I was doing all the things and it was just shocking to me to learn that I had depression and anxiety and PTSD when, again, I was I thought I was doing all the things one was supposed to do. And as I've been interviewing other women, we all have the same stories. And sadly, many of us have been suffering in silence. And some of these stories are just alarming. I was talking with one woman who was essentially doing two roles within her organization, I guess, doing them too well. And she was required to take an IQ test. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And it's like people probably would not believe some of the stories that I've heard from women, but we need to elevate these stories because so many companies now are giving these performative DEI pledges. And if you go to their websites, you see the smiling faces and we're doing this, we're doing that, but they don't really reflect the lived experiences of the Black women that are working within these organizations. And I actually, I was going to ask you about that. And you, you, this is a good segue because diversity, equity, and inclusion are, they're certainly buzzwords now, right? Every, every company's trying to make an effort. Two-part question, A, do you really think that that's working? And B, what can these companies actually do if they genuinely want to help, if they're genuinely committed to, to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, for the first part of your question, no, I don't think that these actions or pledges are working because we don't see any progress. Year over year, it's like, okay, we're going to double by this year. You get to the date and they just simply reset, reset the target. So no, they are not making progress. And I don't think they're really getting to the root cause of the, the issue. I think they just think, okay, we'll just go out and hire 5,000 people and that's going to solve the problem. But they're not addressing the foundational issues that are broken within these companies of the, tox- the toxicity in the work environment. Like, yes, you can bring in 5,000 people, but how many of those 5,000 are still going to be there three or five years later? Well, and they also, I think part of it too, is they need these people to be in the room when the decisions are being made, right? That's where the gap is from from my Mm -hmm. perspective is that it's good if you're doing it, but are they making hiring decisions? Are they making decisions about the future of these organizations? That's likely where the gap is. And it sounds like what has happened to you and a lot of women is that the people who are making decisions for them about them really aren't in their corner the way they probably need them to be. 
Right, right, right. Also, I mean, there's a within the black community, black corporate community, a lot of people talk about how we are typically brought in under level. So we aren't paid equitably compared to our, our counterparts. So that's that's the other thing. There's so many layers to this issue. It's it's and it's fascinating. It sounds like you ultimately between your coaching practice and now your your book that you're gonna try and bridge this and, and really help kind of bring some of that change in, in corporate America. That is the goal. That is the goal. Good for you. Now, what's what's next on the horizon for you? Is there another pivot? What do you kind of picture yourself doing? Your 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 practice is still new, but what are you hoping for in the next five years after you've made such a bold leap? My hope is to elevate and inspire more Black women and hopefully see those diversity numbers change through through my coaching and through getting this book and elevating their stories. Now, what's the timeline on your book? I, I mean, I, writing a book, I, for people who don't know, it's 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 a very long process. But when, when are you thinking you might be ready to, to have that ready to go? Before the end of 2023 is my goal. Good for you. My, my final question for you, you, we started with you talking about your experience at Drexel when you were a college student and, you know, how you kind of thought things were going to go and you kind of, you know, had a lot of roadblocks and things happen. What would you say to your 22-year-old self now about career, about life, about all the changes? What advice would you give to the 22-year-old version of yourself? That's a great question. And honestly, when I look back, there are no wasted experiences because we wouldn't be having the conversation that we're having today if you know I didn't experience certain things. So I guess I would say there are no wasted experiences in life. And I would say... Don't doubt your intuition. Listen to those whispers and don't discount them. And obviously make sure you have a mentor, focus on sponsorship and network. Great. That was all wonderful advice. Angela, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for listening to The Power of the Pivot. My name is Alicia Webb. If you have a story idea or a guest idea or just some feedback, you can reach me at brightspotpr.com. I look forward to bringing you the next conversation.